Welcome back. The countdown continues, and we've got a lot of other stuff to discuss as well here on the top five Alabama softball moments of the year for 2023. Since number four was released, Tom, a lot has happened. Gray Robertson, Tom Canterbury. Where do we even start? Do we start with our winnings? Do we start with other teams' winnings? Where do we go? So much news <laughs> and happenings. Uh, it's your podcast. You you pick. It's our podcast, oh, Tom. Oh, yeah. Which is why we're going to start with our victory. Yes, hooray for us. We won a golden mic. How about that? Who would have thought? Not me. Not me at all. <laughs> we sure had a case. Yeah. And we had a good campaign. I thought that other more rabid social media fan bases would mm. would prevail but good, good word for it yeah but here we are the people i'm gonna rile up a little bit later oh, on this podcast i can play heel just to make sure <laughs> our homes aren't burned down uh but yes we have won best team radio for the golden mics yes so congratulations to us yeah and thank you to everybody who voted thank you to the golden mics for the recognition and i think the one thing that i didn't say on twitter that i want to make sure i say here thank you to the team because Callie Hevelin sent me a message and said, oh, congrats. I said, this is all because of y'all. Y'all yeah, give yeah. us good stuff to talk about. So thank you to the players and the coaches for Alabama. Yeah, one of the reasons why uh, people listen to us is because we're covering Alabama. Right. Uh, because they're usually a good team and, <laughs> and they have exciting games. So it's been uh, a lot of fun to uh, cover them now for me for nine seasons, you for seven, and you know, a, a dream job type situation. And then... Uh, to get recognition for it is even just icing on the cake. But yeah, thank you to uh, the Golden Mikes for the nomination and thank you to uh, Bama Nation and maybe even some non-Alabama fans that might have voted for us. We appreciate them as well. Yes. You know, and I love that we get to talk about this award on an episode where we will be playing audio from our radio broadcast mm -hmm. this year. Right, yes. <laughs> Number three is coming up, by the way. We won also a lot of Alabama winners as well. Congratulations to my TV partner and our occasional radio cameo yeah. persona, cameo analyst, Kaylee Tao. Guest analyst at times. Yes. Uh, she's Popping in for the third inning every now and then. Sure. And I mean, she did a couple of games with me, and I know she did one with you as well. Yeah. The one game out of nine seasons I wasn't there, she was there for you. So uh, I appreciate her joining us. and. Uh, she did a great job. I'm so glad that she won. Yeah, so congrats to Tao. Congrats to Kayla Bro. Congrats to, frankly, many of our friends. Yeah. And everybody who does such great work for the sport of softball across all media platforms. I was so happy to see that the, uh, the SEC tournament studio crew won. I legit think they did the best job. For sure. Uh, so I was so glad to see them recognized. Kayla Bro do doing a great job. Bro now doing MLB games. Uh, I mean, just amazing stuff there. Scarborough won, and it, it was a lot of fun. Can't wait for next year. We will look to defend our title, I yes, guess. I guess. And sure. see what else we can win. So, Who's to say? Again, the pressure is on Team 28 to uh, be exciting. Yes. <laughs> Give us good stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> Always helpful. Oh, man. Okay. Thank you again to everybody who voted for us. That was, like, the last thing that happened yesterday, and what was really eventful day Across Again, softball? There's no offseason. No, there isn't. Let's start. Let's go in chronological order of announcements. The first announcement of the day was that South Carolina picked up Elena Vauder from Stanford. Wow. There was smoke. And I remember that we had talked about it last week while we were playing golf. I said, Tom, what do you think about this, this rumor that is circulating? I just didn't think it would actually happen, but it did. I think I said something to the effect of, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> uh, yeah, what a huge pickup for Bev Smith in South Carolina. 
uh, who's made a lot of noise in the transfer portal uh, this offseason, but nothing bigger than picking up a All-American pitcher, if possible, to upgrade from what uh, Goldburn gave him last year. Alana Botter could be that person to do that. Uh, what a what a pickup! They immediately go from lower to middle of the pack. I think into like lock top half SEC oh, yeah. next year. And when you look at their conference slate, and we've talked about this a little bit, the conference schedule for the Gamecocks next year is at Kentucky, Mississippi State, at Florida, Tennessee, at Ole Miss, Missouri, at Texas A&M, and Arkansas at home. I don't know the order of those games, but that was the 2021 rotation. So you'll notice I did not say Alabama. I did not say Georgia. I did not say LSU. And you've got Tennessee and Arkansas both coming to Columbia. South Carolina might be one of those dark horse picks now. Like I'm almost ready to declare them top five right now. Yeah, that no. was not the scenario a week ago. I'm not ready to do that yet, but I mean, <laughs> that that schedule sets up really nicely for them. It all depends, though, on how well, yes, we know how talented these uh, transfers coming in are, but it will matter how well they all gel together. Yes. Uh, because sometimes personalities and things don't always work out, uh, especially when it's not somebody that, you know, came in together as part of a recruiting class when when you're piecing together sometimes it works out great sometimes there's some personality conflicts and we'll see which way south carolina goes yeah so keep an eye on that as we get ready for softball media days we'll i'm sure chat with bev smith about what was the most successful off season i can remember in a very long time yeah i mean you know you look at south carolina is a proud program they've had success but not a whole a lot of it lately yeah. Uh, you know, they've had some runs in the SEC tournament. They've, you know, they've made regionals. It's not like they've never been good, uh, but, you know, they haven't been at the top of the SEC in recent memory. Uh, so to make these type of splashes and cap it off with an All-American pitcher, uh, certain and, and one that has no real connection to South Carolina before this, the fact that they were able to make those inroads and, and get somebody like that, uh, says a lot about Beth Smith, says a lot about that program. Could be the kind of move that even though Vodder's only going to be there for a year, could set them up for the future because South Carolina becomes a more attractive spot for other transfers. Correct. Yeah. We'll see. It's, it certainly uh, adds a new element to softball media days. I'm yes, sure. it does. Which, <laughs> by the way, we're still deciding the mystery 14th team. If anybody has any suggestions, Please send them. I've got a list we're going to talk about at some point. Okay. Not on the show, but off the air. Sounds good. So this comes out, and then the rumors start flowing. Mm. And I get a text, and you get a text, and then I text some people, and then all of a sudden, it becomes quite clear that we know where the other shoe is going to drop. And that other shoe is Kelly Maxwell. And it's dropping in Norman, Oklahoma. Mm. This is not what I expected. I think, really? yes, I think that there is a legitimate conversation to be had about, I don't want to use the word failure, but the extreme disappointment of Florida's portal this offseason, because I said for number five, I thought for sure one of these two is going to go to Florida. Right. sounds like they were close on both. Couldn't seal the deal on either. So how many pitchers does Florida have now? They have two. <laughs> two, okay. Two, just, still just, just two. two. Just the two. Both freshmen, good freshmen, right. but just freshmen. Okay, all right. So and maybe that's a conversation that we have another day. We'll talk about the Gators, I'm sure, many, many times during media days and the offseason and season six. Mm. But 
Kelly Maxwell goes to Oklahoma. Uh, you have been revving up a take that mm. I am ready to respond however I need to for the sake of the show. <laughs> Fire uh, away. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I think I said before uh, in our number five podcast uh, that this was maybe the first time since the portal became a thing that you could make the case that Oklahoma didn't win the portal. Um, that is no longer the case. <laughs> they, uh, I think this is, you know, we, we talked about uh, Keeney coming over from Liberty not being Scirocco. This is better than Scirocco <laughs> getting. So now Oklahoma goes from, um, you know, still being the favorite, but there's a lot of other possibilities to, well, now they're the really favorite again. I And I, I still stand by my statement that I've made podcasts before of people going the portal for different reasons, their own reasons. It's nobody's, nobody's business why they go in. It's, right. their, it's, their, it's totally up to them. It's their job. Players can go wherever they want. I do think, though, the fact that you are Kelly Maxwell, you have one year of eligibility remaining, and you go from Oklahoma State where, you know, say whatever you want, Oklahoma State's one most important job is to try to beat Oklahoma. That, that, is, that is why they exist. That is what they're trying to do each and every year. And if that, and it's usually if they beat Oklahoma, that means they're going to win win a lot, win right. championships of, of, of all sorts. Yeah, that's what you have to do in right. the Big 12. Yes. So Kelly Maxwell has spent her entire career trying to beat Oklahoma. Was the best, most marquee, I'm sure an Oklahoma State fan will, will try to argue with me, but the best, if not most marquee player on Oklahoma State's team for basically her entire career. I would say yes. Uh, the one win that they had in the Big 12 tournament was Morgan Day. Ironically. In relief, ironically. Right. Yes. Uh, there is also an, an irony here as well about the way that OU fans have responded to Kelly Maxwell while she was at Oklahoma State the last few years oh, about yeah. owning her. Sure. And... But now they're so ecstatic that they're coming, that she's coming. Right. It's, um, it's a little yeah, right. fascinating. Indeed. Uh, but I think now this is an ultimate if you can't beat them, join them situation. Mm. And I think, again, I, no one knows all the ins and outs of it other than the people involved. But I think it does call into question the competitive spirit of Kelly Maxwell because you spent your entire career trying to beat Oklahoma and now you have one year of eligibility remaining and eh, I'm just going to go go try to win with them. And I think it, it just it says a lot about her competitive moxie and spirit. It would be similar because it's Oklahoma State going to Oklahoma. It'd be like if Montana Fouts had one year of eligibility remaining and she transferred to Auburn. I would I would counter and say it would be or more ben, like Penta coming, coming right. to Alabama. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Either way. It's but you know, it's going to a direct rival who has flat out owned you and say, Well, I'm just gonna win a game, win win a ring here. And it just I, I don't think this is what the goal of the transfer portal was hmm. to do something like this with your one extra year. Again, this is a, this is one of those things that wasn't really a scenario that wasn't really even a thought probably when the transport was put out there because we didn't know there was going to be a COVID year. Um, but people are graduating quicker and quicker. So there are, even when it's only going to be four years, there's going to be other chances like this happening. And I know there's going to be Oklahoma fans are going to try to throw Ali Shipman in my face saying this because Tennessee and Alabama are, are pretty good rivals. Yeah. I say that there is a difference because one, it's not just one year. And 
there it's not such a one-on-one rivalry between Alabama and Tennessee in the SEC like it was Oklahoma and Oklahoma State in the Big Tail in the Big Twelve. It's it's not like it's either it's either Alabama or Tennessee going to win the SEC every year and you're flip flopping. You know, it's 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 almost always going to be Oklahoma, and you might have a chance if you're Oklahoma State if Kelly Maxwell pitches extremely well and now with one year of eligibility, I'm leaving. So I don't think I don't think that's a quite an apples to apples argument. Okay. I think what's what's interesting about how this all played out is I can see it from both sides a little bit. From the Kelly Maxwell side, again, we're not going to talk about why people go in the portal. I have had conversations with people who are very, very close to Kelly, and I've heard a lot of the why uh, that I'm not going to talk about on this pod. And based on that story and based on hearing directly from Alex Duraco why she picked Oklahoma, I can understand some of the things that the Sooners have in place as to why that would be a comfortable fit for Kelly, uh, especially off the field. The one thing that is confusing is the thing that everybody assumed she was looking for, the potential grad schoolness of it all, what she was going to do. Uh, I'm not quite sure where the disconnect was from what everybody around softball was told and knew versus the actual final selection that was made. Because the schools that I kept hearing uh, were known for the program that she wants to be in. And Oklahoma is not one of those schools. Oklahoma, not a bad academic institution, but everybody has specific things that they're really, really good at. And what she wants, Oklahoma, I'm not even sure if they offer it, honestly. I don't disagree or not suspect that Oklahoma is a very good place, a comfortable place for people to transfer to if you're elite softball players. I'm sure they have all facilities, they have the money, they have the NIL deals, they have all this stuff. That's why I'm not shocked that elite players want to go play at Oklahoma. They, they, they are the, they're the top-notch program right now in all of college softball. Uh, that's that's not what's surprising to me is the fact that you go from Oklahoma State to Oklahoma mm. with one year of eligibility remaining because you can't beat them you'll join them. How how do you think Kenny Gajewski feels right now? Oh, I I would not be happy if I was Kenny Gajewski. <laughs> I would I would be. Uh, hey, remember that uh, if, if it's possible to retract a statement when somebody <laughs> goes in the portal, I would like to do that right now. Thank you very much. Oh my gosh! Uh, that's, I mean that's Jordy Ball going to Nebraska is a totally different thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you're Oklahoma, going, Nebraska, not going to play very much, not going to play very much if ever. Yeah. They're not in the same conference. There's not a rivalry there. And you know, Nebraska is a upper middle of the pack team in the big twin in the big 10. Huge difference. Yeah. And it's not just with one year of eligibility remaining. And she had a connection to Nebraska. The only connection that Kelly Maxwell has to Oklahoma is that she couldn't beat him at Oklahoma State. Mm. That's literally the only connection. And, you know, what's interesting is a scenario that keeps coming to my head right now is when Skylar Wallace went to Florida from Alabama. And I think from the rivalry aspect, there is a little there is a little bit of that in there. Sure. Now, the year that Skylar was at Alabama, we had no issues beating Florida. Yeah. Uh, quite famously, 15-3 to 3 at the Women's College World Series. But, like... And, and a, uh, a sweep in Gainesville. That's true. The committee forgot about that, didn't yes. they? Uh, yes. But... You know, and and when that announcement was made, you know, j- just being very honest, there was a lot of 
really florida right like it's florida anywhere but florida yeah, really them right and then we all kind of like got over it because it was multiple years and now i've had skylar on the d1 softball podcast and like everything's like we talked to her in gainesville when we were there in sure. 22 absolutely uh, all of that is fine uh, because there has been time to for everybody to move past it mm-hmm. that time is not going to exist in no. this scenario because exactly. it's one year <laughs> right so yeah like you have you have burned all your Oklahoma State bridges if you're Kelly Maxwell to go for one year to Oklahoma because even if Oklahoma does win the national championship this year, I don't think it's going to be because of Kelly Maxwell. I think Kelly Maxwell will be a part of it, but she's not going to have the effect on Oklahoma that Jordy Ball had. Other than you get to, in all likelihood, go to Oklahoma City, play in the Women's College World Series, and have a good chance to win it. I'm not sure that this is going to be a long-term successful decision for Kelly Maxwell. Yeah. Now, we should note, as of recording time, and I'll double-check, this has not officially, officially, officially been announced. No, but it's been, like, reported by... Yeah, everybody's reporting that it's happening. Patty Gassa sent out the tweet that we all recognize means, oh, God, no. Right, right, yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know, I, I think as we look at it from the Oklahoma perspective as well... I mean, it's like you said, it's a big win. I I think they won the portal in terms of additions that came in. I would say when you compare it to what they lost, I think they broke about even, uh, which is great for them and bad for everybody else. Mm. Uh, The ideal scenario for everybody across the country was OU be weaker next year. Because breaking even means that they're still the best. Yes, which is... Uh, nationally a problem and other people are going to have to raise their level. We've talked about that right. and, and yeah. how OU's yeah. dominance, what that means for the sport. It's, it's not Oklahoma's job to get worse. It's everybody else's job to get better. Right. But man, this does take a little bit of the intrigue out of it all, doesn't it? Yeah. Just, just a little bit. And and maybe, maybe some storylines will pop up. Maybe more stuff will happen in the second portal season when we get down to December. Maybe, I, I don't know, but it, it felt like this year was going to be a, a little bit more open and that door that was there has closed mm-hmm. just just a touch with this announcement and I, Oklahoma fans are going to be like stop bitching about that I'm not I'm just stating just a, a fact right. that I thought that this year was going to be a little bit more open and we we're going to have a little bit more national intrigue and I think Kelly Maxwell going to Oklahoma probably limits the amount of teams that can win a national championship to maybe five who those five teams are i don't know but that might even be too high yeah it, it, it makes them from just being the pretty much the favorite to definitely the favorite yeah but just like we talked about with south carolina they're still going to be how does everybody mesh how does everybody gel how, how does all this work but oklahoma has proven whatever the formula is they know what it is and, and they've, they've made it work before so there's no reason to think that they won't once again um but it's disappointing from a just national status of you want multiple teams to have an opportunity to win uh, and, and to be, you know, to, to, to start off the year in February thinking we have a legitimate chance to win this thing. Adding a pitcher the caliber of Kelly Maxwell to Oklahoma limits that number of, of teams. That being said, uh, there's a reason why you got to go out there and play it. So, right. you know, th- things can happen. But it's disappointing in that in that case, and it's also disappointing just in general because I think, like what Botter did, Kelly Maxwell had an opportunity 
to really elevate a different program to go somewhere and and be that be that ace that brings a program up to the level of Oklahoma and Oklahoma State um, and she chose the easy way out. I keep thinking about what would have happened if she had picked Florida and I'm not quite sure how in the mix Florida was mm-hmm. I've actually heard that maybe they weren't as close as I originally thought but Florida seems like a great example of of what you're talking about like she goes to Florida instantly right they they turn from a team that right now I have below South Carolina in my power rankings yeah sure into a national championship contender again yeah and and there are plenty of teams that would have would have seen a jump like that if Kelly had gone there and you know what if what if Kelly Maxwell goes to LSU that solves their pitching problem what what if Kelly Maxwell goes to Kentucky you're late, but it right, would yeah. answer the question, who's pitching? It would become, who's hitting? <laughs> Where's Kayla Kowalik? <laughs> she could have gone so many different places because, you know, I think 99 out of 100 teams would have welcomed Kelly Maxwell with open, open arms and to kind of go, well, I'll just head to Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, it's just disappointing all the way around. It's kind of a bummer. Yeah. Uh, and OU fans, I'm sure, are going to come yeah. after us. They're probably going to come after me for whatever reason because they all know how to find me much sooner. And I'm the pro- I promote the pod right. on all the places. Sure. And, uh, Tom, this is to be fair. This is Tom's take. I'm going yeah. to T Canterbury RTR. I'm going to on on the X. Get out the way. I'm right. going to X you, Tom. Uh, thank, thank you. Right. <laughs> Posting on the X, I guess, instead of tweeting. Either way, T Canterbury RTR, if you want to find me. I Again, I'm not blaming Oklahoma. If I'm Oklahoma, I'm ecstatic. Yeah. That's, I mean, and you have created the program, created the system, uh, used all your resources to where you are an attractive spot to land. But like, I, I think it does make you question Kelly Maxwell's competitiveness. You know who I, I'm not questioning the competitiveness for? No, oh, who would that possibly be? Allie Shipman. Oh, yes. Second time she's been mentioned on this pod. Full already. circle. Yes. Is there anything else we want to say about the, the intro before we move on to moment number three? I'm ready to hit, hit the moment. The last thing I want to make sure that I mention, I forgot to say this earlier. Thank you to everybody who reached out and offered well wishes after our dog Oliver passed away. Uh, it means a lot that... The outpouring has been uh, really, really supportive and kind and thoughtful. Uh, Oliver was our dog for 15 years, and he was somebody who has actually been on the pod. He, I don't think anybody knew it because he didn't make a sound, but he was sitting on my lap multiple times in the 21 year while I was recording at the office. So to my dog, Oliver, uh, I will forever miss you and love you, and thank you so much for being such a great friend over the years and thank you to everybody for their support during what has been a, a really difficult time for for the family. Okay, it's time to get to the number three moment from the 2023 Alabama softball season. It was on 12 of 16 ballots. It got two first place votes. It's the seventh inning of the dramatic regional final against Middle Tennessee. Oh, and when you look back on the season, because there was so much dramatics after this, uh, and even some before, this sometimes can get forgotten on how close Alabama came to not making it not just to Oklahoma City to not super regionals for the second straight year. Yeah, 
because Middle Tennessee was like, we're going to ruin your lives today. (laughs) And they almost did. Right. Uh, Middle Tennessee was as hot of a team as I've seen come to Tuscaloosa in the postseason period, probably, you know, in the last five, six years. Yeah. Uh, They were on an absolute heater rolling through force if necessary game knocked out a central Arkansas team to, you know, when the brackets were announced, everyone was looking forward to that Alabama central Arkansas matchup, which never happened. Because Everybody picked central Arkansas to win the right. regional. Yes. That they were all about the bears and the blue Raiders said, we're not even gonna let them play Alabama. Uh, and almost made a Cinderella run through and Alabama, like we talked about before, just found a way. Would have been really nice to know that we would never play Central Arkansas before I watched four hours of film on the Central Arkansas pitchers. Yeah. But it's fine. But now you know a lot about Kayla Beaver. So I am I have at the ready. Yes. Her first game, I'm going to recite every note that I have. <laughs> you will not be able to list the defensive alignment until the third inning. <laughs> good. <laughs> uh, let's play the audio. Sounds good. The seventh inning against Middle Tennessee, number three in our top five moments of the year countdown. Seventh inning is presented by Nukes at Nukes Express Cafe. Your food is always made to order in an open kitchen with the freshest ingredients. Visit them locally on University Boulevard or order online at nukes.com. Nukes is a proud supporter of Alabama softball. We head to the top of the seventh inning, 0-0, Alabama, Middle Tennessee. For Alabama, no runs on three hits, no errors, four left. For the Blue Raiders, no runs on four hits, no errors, and four runners left on base. Two up for the Tide here in the seventh. Alabama is the designated visiting team for this matchup. Shipman, Broadfoot, and Cahalan, 5-6-7. It's Cameron Garsich in the circle for Middle Tennessee. She's gone six innings. No strikeouts, one walk, and she's about to throw her 60-second pitch of the ball game. First pitch to Shipman. It's lined to deep left field. That one's back. And gone! Solo homer for Allie Shipman! Revenge of the ship, and the Crimson Tide has the one nothing lead here in the seventh. No way. It was on a laser line. It had to be. A couple years ago, Allie Shipman, her freshman year at Tennessee, was cut short because of a torn ACL in a game against Middle Tennessee. And here we are, five years later, trying to go to Supers for the first time in her collegiate career. After gunning a runner down, doing the one thing that nobody had been able to do today, hitting a ball deep on a line and giving Alabama the lead. Chills don't even begin to describe that moment. Emma Broadfoot steps in. The first pitch to her is high for ball one. Unreal. It just took a little adjustment. Yep. And it finally came. The 1-0 is high. Two balls and no strikes on Broadfoot. And now 
you got to keep going. Yeah. More. If you can get another one, you will feel so good. One, you'll feel confident, but more is better. The 2-0 drops in for a strike, 2-1. And, and there is my awesome analysis. More runs better than right. less. Yes. Oh, boy. Mm. The 2-1 to Broadfoot is high. Three balls and one strike. Let's go. I, I can't. I, I would say I don't see any action in the bullpen. I can't right. because everybody is standing up here. The 3-1. High for ball four. And Emma Broadfoot does, she, she checks. She couldn't hear. Right. She checks with Brian Crochet to make sure that was ball four. And she'll head down to first as Helen Pena comes out to talk with oh. Cameron Carsich, who finally made a mistake that Alabama was able to take advantage of and now is all, has issued her second walk of the ball game. And, Tom, I remember a couple weeks ago in Oxford when Allie Shipman and I were hanging out in the outfield during practice, and she was talking about how, you know, gap to gap, Madison, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, you know, I'm just I'm saving the home runs. Right. I'm saving them. Well, she, I, she picked a great time yeah, she, to hit one. Could not have waited any longer. I mean, I would have enjoyed one a little bit earlier. Yeah. Maybe earlier today. But better late than never, right, partner? Man. And now you have an opportunity. Still nobody out. Alabama leads it one nothing, And Kenley Cahalan at the plate. She's one for two. She singled back in the second and grounded out in the fifth. First pitch to Kenley. She squares around the bunt, pulls it back. It's low for ball one. There is a pinch runner on first. Faith Hensley came out, and she is running for Emma Broadfoot on first. I see Gretchen Mead. She is in the bullpen. She is not throwing from what I can tell. The 1-0. Gahalen with a one-hopper back to the pitcher. She'll throw to second for one. Kinley beats it out, so no double play. Hensley is retired, and there's one gone. Tell you what, Middle Tennessee a little bit lucky that they even got the out at second. Mueller covering second almost overran it because Karsich's throw was so soft. Yeah. And it was actually a really good recovery by Mueller that they were able to get the lead runner. Now Callie Hevlin steps in. First pitch. Line through for a base hit into left field. Went through the 5-6 hole past Garcia. And Callie Hevlin gets her first base hit of the day. Runners now on first and second with one away for Kristen White. And I think we're going to see a pinch hitter here. I think. Yes, we will. And it's going to be Abby Dukesher coming out of the dugout. She's talking right now with Ryan Aya Murray. Hey, real quick, amidst all of yes. this craziness, a scoreboard update. Remember that early 6-0 lead for Louisiana? Oh, no. It's gone. Wow. All tied up at 6, bottom 3. What a day of softball, Tom. Road Stadium rocking. I'm sure Tiger Park is rocking as well. Oh, yeah. Northwestern Miami tied at 4 in the 7th. This sport, man. Abby Dukesher will have it at bat here. Runners on first and second, one out. Big spot for the freshman. 
First pitch. Ground ball to third. Garcia bobbles it, steps on third, and will throw to first for the double play. So that'll do it for the Tide here in the seventh inning. But Alabama takes the lead with a solo homer from Allie Shipman. One run on two hits. There were no errors. And one runner left on base. And Tom, prepare. Uh, I wonder. Buttress? I, I wonder. I think it was just, I think Patrick Murphy was just re-entering okay. Emma Broadfoot. Don't do me like that, Murph. Come on. We head to the bottom of the seventh inning. The last chance for Middle Tennessee. Alabama, three outs away from Supers here on the Crimson Tide Sports Network from Airfield. The seventh inning is presented by Nukes at Nukes Express Cafe. Your food is always made to order in an open kitchen with the freshest ingredients. Visit them locally on University Boulevard or order online at nukes.com. Nukes is a proud supporter of Alabama softball. We head to the bottom of the seventh inning. one nothing Alabama. Due up for the Blue Raiders here in the seventh. Last chance for Middle Tennessee. Garcia, Sargent, and Blevins. 5-6-7. And Jayla Torrance back out in the circle. Looking to finish this one off complete. Would At, be the game of her career, bar none. Allie Shipman, the solo homer in the seventh inning to give the Crimson Tide the one nothing lead. Really quickly, final in Stillwater, Oklahoma State 5-2 over Nebraska. Cowgirls will face Oregon in Supers. Also, an if game is necessary in Seattle. McNeese beats Washington 1-0. Let's go. First pitch to Julia Garcia. Chopper to short. The Halen's there. She makes a stop in the throw, and there's one away. Bold strategy, Cotton, to go after the first pitch. Garcia maybe letting the moment get a, big, uh, a bit too big. A reminder, this is the first ever regional final for Middle Tennessee, and they've never been in this spot before. Yep. <laughs> Excuse me. Shelby Sargent. First pitch is in there for a called strike. Sargent sell for two with a ground down and a pop out. The 0-1. Swing and a miss. No balls, two strikes on Sargent. Unreal. The 0-2. Ground ball to short. Cahalen's there. Stop. The throw. Middle Tennessee's down to their final out. Great job by Kinley. You know what I've loved about these two outs? She's gotten in front of the ball, and she said there is no way <laughs> I am letting this get away. That will bring up Ansley Blevins, the last chance for the Blue Raiders. Crowds their feet. Blevins is over two with a couple of strikeouts. First pitch. Ooh. Called strike on the inside corner. 0-1. Whoops. Oh, 
Here comes the 0-1 pitch. Line to right, and that's going to fall for a base hit. Pruitt opted not to try to make a diving catch on that one. Let it bounce in front of her. It would have been a very iffy proposition to try to catch that one. So the single for Middle Tennessee puts the tying run on first and the winning run at the plate with Savannah Behabits, who's two for two on the day with a couple of singles. Yep, Pruitt made the right call, not diving for it. We do have a pinch runner for Middle Tennessee, Lexi Medlock, running on first. Wait, how? She's already running this game. No, she ran in last game. Oh, oh wait. Look at me. <laughs> we played twice today. Yes. <laughs> so now Savannah Behabits will step in. Left-handed hitting. First pitch. Line foul. Ooh. Ooh. That may have got a piece of the cameraman down the third baseline. It did not. It hit the camera. Ooh. It hit the top part of the camera. I think there's a little covering that yeah. covers the screen that the cameraman can watch. That's. Oh, boy. The SPN might have said, I'd rather it hit you than the camera. <laughs> the 0-1. Low and away, one ball, one strike. I can hear the control room now. Oh, no! <laughs> one, one pitch. Hmm? Low, two balls and one strike. Heart rate down. Talking to me or Jayla? Everyone. Okay. Literally everybody listening, watching, living in the state of Alabama. <laughs> the 2-1. Oh, a little bit low, 3-1. Three one to Behabits. Right in there for a called strike. Count is full. Three balls and two strikes. The Middle Tennessee is down to their final strike here. And I think if the moment wasn't so big, Behabits would have gone after that pitch. That was meaty, but she was looking for the walk. She wasn't trying to get a hit. What's your best, Jayla, right now? Payoff pitch on its way. Called strike three. Torrance gets the strikeout. And after a one-year absence, the Crimson Tide returns to Super Regional play with a 1-0 victory over Middle Tennessee to win the Tuscaloosa Regional in the If Necessary game. Had him all the way, Gray. Oh, never in doubt. Never in doubt. Man. A lot of credit, first of all, to Middle Tennessee. Round of applause. Murph has said in a pregame interview, so I'm going to say that's a hell of an effort from a team that has never, ever been on this stage. But Alabama wanted to be back on this stage. They probably didn't want to go to the if game, mm. but they wanted to taste supers once again. And it was Allie Shipman who got the big hit. Yes, a moment that we will be replaying forever. But a star is born, Jayla Torrance. Mm. And now 
We'll talk about it later, but what a fascinating little situation. If Montana Fouts is able to come back and Jayla's pitching like that, mm. Alabama is extremely dangerous. What a gutsy, gritty, phenomenal, epic win. We said after, I think, the SEC tournament, stay on the ride. Don't go anywhere. This is a team that will make you fall in love with them. They will excite you. They will frustrate you. And then they will thrill you and make you love them even more. And we saw it today. With the win, Alabama improves to 43-19, and 19, and they advance to their 17th Super Regional round. That's the most of anyone in NCAA play. Middle Tennessee State will fall to 43, excuse me, 42 and 20, seeing their season come to an end here today as Alabama gets the victory to win the Tuscaloosa Regional. One run on five hits, no errors, five runners left on base for Middle Tennessee. No runs on five hits, no errors, five runners left on base. Jayla Torrance is the winning pitcher. Another complete game for Jayla. She's now 9-2 and two on the year. Cameron Karsich takes the complete game loss. She's now 9-8. and eight. We'll try to collect ourselves, come back with the Yellowhammer Brewing Company postgame report. That, yes, <laughs> might need longer than this two-minute break, but that's what's coming up next. The Yellowhammer Brewing Company postgame report after this here on the Crimson Tide Sports Network from Learfield. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. So because it's just an inning, it's the shortest audio that we have, just the top of the seventh and the bottom of the seventh. We've talked about the poetic nature of how that regional final went for it to be Allie Shipman who got the home run, for Jayla Torrance to become the story of regionals nationally. But going back and listening to that, I forgot how just emotional that day was. Just overall, and even you know going to the bottom of the seventh, you can hear us say, is Montana about to like? Uh, there was a lot that was in the air at this moment. Yeah, I mean Montana had been warming up throughout that game. Yeah, uh, that she could come in at any point, and Jayla Torrance was just out, just unbelievably great. Uh, to where she she was like, just let, let me keep let me keep cooking, and you can say you can say in the in the Chef Jayla, right, she, she's rolling along. Uh, so yeah, I think it was great that she didn't have to use Montana Fouts that entire weekend coming off of the injury that she suffered the week before in the SEC tournament. And to be able 
to hold off a team that was as hot as Middle Tennessee had been that entire weekend offensively, even though they they won game one and forced that if necessary game, for Jayla to come out and completely shut them down and and allow that Alabama offense just find something at some point and for it to be Allie Shipman, you talked about it during the broadcast that you know this was the team that Allie Shipman was injured against in her freshman year at Tennessee. Um, and for her to cap off, you know, she, she did some great things in Supers and, and the World Series too, but for her to really cement her name uh, at Alabama by getting that home run was just amazing. Yeah, and I mean, we had also documented Allie's quest just to get to Supers. Right. Another player who's just too darn good to never gotten to that stage, and a little bit of it was bad luck. You know, the one year that Tennessee was in Supers in her career, that was when she had torn the ACL, so she wasn't able to play. So I guess she was technically in Supers, but never got to play. And it was just, it was so cool. I mean, this this was just one of those storybook, never going to forget it moments. One that, I, I can't remember if you came to, to dinner with us all afterwards, but people were still buzzing. You might have gone right. to be with the fan. Were you there? Okay, no, I wasn't. Okay. okay, so you went to be back with the family that night, oh, yes. and we all went to heat, and it people were just still buzzing. And then we were like, wait, what is Washington doing against McNeese? That's a, a different right. story. Oh, yeah, because no, I, I was watching that at home, and texting yes. you guys, like, what in the world <laughs> is McNeese doing? Put in the other pitcher. <laughs> She's done. Say it. it. No. Oh. You're up 6 nothing <laughs> In the seventh. <laughs> Stop. Could have done it, but no. Mm. Mm. I'll never forget it. And this is number three. Right. There, there's a couple more pretty big games that are coming up. The next episode might be the longest audio we've ever collected and will probably be the longest moments episode we've ever done because there's a lot to cover. No. Oh. That's next. All right. Until then. Thanks for joining. Yes. Always <laughs> a pleasure. For Tom Canterbury, I'm Greg Robertson. We'll see you next week for number two on our top five moments of the year countdown.